The mission is simple, to help high achievers naturally eliminate emotional and physical obstacles so they can optimize their life for higher achievement. Welcome. You have just entered the Genesis Zone. Good day and welcome to the Genesis Zone show. This is Dr. Brian Brown. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today. I never take that for granted. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, are you a math whiz? You know, maybe you are, maybe you're not. Uh, stay tuned as we explore the latest research and what this means epigenetically for a developing brain and its relationship to anxiety control over the long term. We'll also be discussing the epigenetic impact of certain key supplements and their positive impacts on the body as well as much, much more. Um, normally, I'm going to start out with something uh, in, the, in the category of interesting research. Normally, I stick purely to epigenetics, but I felt that uh, this breakthrough in gene science research was was newsworthy, uh, especially for what I think it could hold in the future for aging medicine. Now, you may or may not remember the story of David Vetter, uh, affectionately known as the boy in the plastic bubble. Uh, David struggled with a condition known as adenosine deaminase deficient severe combined immunodeficiency. That's a mouthful. I know uh, the new terminology for it is just the acronym, which is ADA, ADA SCID. Uh, it simply means that David and other bubble babies, as they're referred to even today, uh, they lack a critical ADA enzyme necessary to have proper immune function. Now, researchers at UCLA published their findings this past week on 11 years worth of follow-up data showing that their one-and-done gene therapy technique to treat ADA-skid children showed that 90% of these children, children were living happy, normal lives with normal functioning immune systems. Uh, it was gene splicing at, at a very uh, technical, modern level compared to what gene splicing was, you know, two, two decades ago. This is huge. Uh, and it's a huge breakthrough in the field of genetics and immunity. And even though I've, I'm beginning to see some emerging data on this, uh, that it, this type of therapy may lead to some major breakthroughs in cancer research and cancer treatment, I would personally add that this same technology, uh, the same breakthrough could prove beneficial for declining immune function associated with aging. Uh, but I don't know of anybody that's doing that level of research or work right now. Um, immune functioning is on the forefront of everybody's mind right now. And we know that as we age, our immune system declines, and this could hold promise as a new emerging therapy to make sure that immune function stays on point. Uh, so although not epigenetic related in the purest sense, uh, this particular little segment was something that I wanted us to keep an eye on for the future. So we'll definitely do that. 
Uh, today, we've got a mixed bag of epigenetic data. So let's dive right in. First up is the epigenetics of math. Yes, you heard that right. And I know math evokes all kinds of anxiety for some people. Uh, and for other people, it's no problem. Uh, what do I mean, the epigenetics of math? Well, research published in the Journal uh, for the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences showed that high school students who opt out of math classes have brains that produce lower levels of the neurotransmitter GABA or GABA aminobutyric acid compared to students who continue on with math classes. Now, I've spoken of the positive effects of GABA on, on this show in previous episodes, but the largest benefit of this inhibitory neurotransmitter, and anytime you hear the word inhibitory, uh, it generally means something is putting the brakes on something else. Um, and in this particular case, it's an in inhibitory neurotransmitter. Uh, and the benefit here is that it puts the brakes on anxiety. More specifically, it puts the brakes on the excitatory neurotransmitter glutamate. And anytime you hear the word excitatory, think gas pedal. Uh, glutamate is just one of those neurotransmitters that kind of revs us up, makes us pay more attention, makes us more focused. Uh, but at the same time, it can have too many side effects if it's left elevated too long, such as causing us to be anxious and irritable. That's why we need GABA to offset it. Think of it in a seesaw fashion. One goes up, the other goes down. Uh, like you don't ride with your foot on the brake all the time. Um, so you wouldn't do that in this particular case either. But there's this fine balance of driving the speed limit and then braking when you need to. And that's what the GABA glutamate system does. But here's another benefit uh, of GABA that came out of this research study. Researchers concluded that whereas math increases GABA levels or those students that still participated in math uh, long term through their high school career uh, increased GABA levels, the elevated GABA levels acted as a neural priming mechanism to actually make you better at math. And GABA concentrations also were predictive of future math performance scores as much as 19 months, months later after the fact, after math classes had finished. So that tells us that there's this long-term effect of GABA levels being elevated if you were one of those people that participated in math. And maybe it's the chicken or the egg thing. Maybe it's you participated in math because you had higher levels of GABA. Uh, maybe you, if you don't like math, you, you didn't like math because you have lower levels of GABA. We really don't know. The research didn't go into that. But the interesting thing was, is that these GABA levels were totally dependent on uh, or, or, or predictive of mathematical performance. And um, they, just to kind of give you a little perspective from brain physiology, the, the area above your right and left eye is called the, the prefrontal cortex. Uh, it's where your forehead is. On the left side above your left eye is where your mathematical uh, skill and reasoning comes from. So that's why there's a lot of overlap there with GABA, glutamate, and uh, this functioning. But 
The flip side of this is that there are critical gene SNPs involved in GABA function. That was not brought out in the study. I'm telling you from my experience now, uh, there are critical gene SNPs involved in GABA functioning that can tell you whether you're already predisposed to have high levels of glutamate, which means you're more anxious, uh, and low levels of, of GABA, which means you're anxious. Uh, it doesn't mean it'll predict your math performance or your mathematical abilities at all. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. The point is, is being able to know uh, what your GABA uh, status is genetically uh, can help you uh, work around and deal with things like anxiety. And we can do that now with a simple genetic cheek swab. So next up was a meta-analysis study about the epigenetics of weight management from a constituent found in red wine known as resveratrol. Now, I'm sure if you've done any kind of reading and even in pop culture literature, uh, common magazines, they talk about the benefits of resveratrol and they always have this nice picture of a glass of red wine there. I'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, but I want to, you know, just briefly explain what meta-analysis is. I've, I've explained what that is in previous episodes, but just as a refresher, a meta-analysis study is just a combination of multiple studies and they pull together all of the information from multiple studies and they look at it all at one time. That's a meta-analysis. Now there are meta-analysis studies that are weak, uh, meaning they aren't in inclusive, uh, they don't all have randomized controlled trials. There's some non-randomized controlled trials. And this particular study, it was all uh, randomized controlled trials. So that moves it up to a level one study, which is the best study that you can have. And some researchers would argue that a level one meta-analysis study is better than one randomized controlled trial. It makes sense because if you have multiple. In this case, they had 36 randomized controlled trials that they pulled together uh, in this particular uh, in this particular study. Uh, now, the study was published in, in critical reviews in food science and nutrition. Again, it had a total of 36 randomized controlled trials that were included for the analysis. And here's what they found. Uh, resveratrol significantly reduced weight. It reduced body mass index it reduced waist circumference, and it reduced fat mass. Now, resveratrol also significantly increased lean muscle mass without affecting um, uh, your, your satiating hormones like adiponectin and leptin. So it didn't have any impact one way or another on, on those hormones. Now, I know there are some people out there that are saying, oh my gosh, now this gives me permission to have my two glasses of red wine every night so I can get my resveratrol dose in. Well, not exactly. Uh, although it does have resveratrol, red wine does have resveratrol in it. It doesn't mean that it's beneficial for you in that particular form because it's not. Now, an occasional glass of red wine, there's nothing wrong with that if you want to do that just to enjoy it. But you need to know that from a weight loss perspective, anytime you consume alcohol, there are several things that are going on in the body. Number one, you increase inflammation. Number two, you disrupt detoxification pathways in the liver. And number three, research actually shows us that when you consume alcohol, even if it's one drink, 
you slow your metabolism down for 72 hours. Get that, people. And, and you wonder why you step on the scales and it's like, oh my gosh, I, I've gained weight and I can't lose it for 72 hours. It's this vicious cycle of frustration. And it's because your metabolism has slowed down in response to that alcohol. So there are ways to get resveratrol in you without consuming alcohol, i.e. take a resveratrol supplement. Uh, if you need the name of a good resveratrol supplement, please message me. I'll be glad to tell you I carry an amazing resveratrol supplement that I'll be glad to share with you. Uh, last up is the epigenetics of depression treatment uh, that involves an amino acid you probably have not heard of. If you had, you probably didn't know what you were, you know, what it was. And this comes from a recent, again, meta-analysis study that was published in the Psychosomatic Medicine Journal of Behavioral Medicine. Uh, again, this is a really strong study study because it's a level one meta-analysis study made up of other randomized controlled trials. Um, the title explains it all. Acetyl-L-carnitine supplementation, and the treatment of depressive symptoms. Now, you may be asking, what in the heck is acetyl-L-carnitine? Well, it's a substance that helps form the amino acid L-carnitine. It's really a unique substance because the amino acid L-carnitine can convert to acetyl-L-carnitine and acetyl-L-carnitine can convert to L-carnitine. So it's just, it's just constantly cycling in and out of what, whatever the body needs. Uh, and the main job of acetyl-L-carnitine is to convert fat into energy. Now, researchers have known uh, for some time that evidence shows that resveratrol is beneficial for certain conditions like diabetic nerve pain and memory enhancement. In fact, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, movement in the direction of acetyl I said resveratrol. I, I meant acetyl-L-carnitine. Acetyl-L-carnitine is beneficial for certain conditions like diabetic nerve pain and memory enhancement. Apologies about that. Uh, but, but studies vary on its benefits for depression. Now, here's what the meta-analysis showed. Uh, the, the, this particular study looked at 12 other studies, and 11 of those studies were with acetyl-L-carnitine as a solo therapy, meaning there were no other supplements being taken. There were no other medications being taken. Uh, and it was a total of 231 participants that were looked at in total who were taking acetyl-L-carnitine and 216 that were taking placebo or sugar peel. Um, here's what they found. Uh, supplementing with acetyl-L-carnitine decreased depressive symptoms compared with placebo and showed comparable clinical impact. This is huge. Comparable clinical impact to established pharma pharmaceutical antidepressant drugs, but with fewer side effects. Now, I'll admit there are 231 people in this in this study, and you know, combined. Uh, admittedly, there needs to be a larger study, but. This preliminary data was strong and it shows that acetyl-L-carnitine could be a promising alternative to antidepressants for some people. Now, for those out there that are thinking they can switch their antidepressant immediately to acetyl-L-carnitine without consulting a health professional, do not do that. Please do not do that. That's not what I'm saying. I wouldn't recommend uh, doing that without proper clinical supervision. 
If you're struggling with depression, you got to take it seriously and partner. This is so critical. Partner with a health professional you can trust. Um, and then you can talk to them about acetyl-L-carnitine. Uh, the relationship is key. The, the professional uh, client relationship is key to recovering from depression. I know because I've been there. I previously dealt with depression for 16 years myself and was on nine different antidepressant medications until I discovered how impactful genetic profiling could be in helping me treat my depression and eventually come off of antidepressants. Um, if you're curious about knowing your your genetic profile, I, I call it understanding your your owner's manual. Every Everybody has an owner's manual and their owner's manual is unique to them. Um, if you're curious about that and you want to know uh, what your owner's manual says, how it reads and understand more about your body and what's going on, what makes it tick, uh, why you struggle with certain issues and and why you uh, maybe your family struggles with certain issues and you haven't had it yet, but you're curious to know, OK, am I going to be bothered by that? Uh, the best way to do that is genetic profiling. And in fact, I firmly believe that we should be doing genetic profiling before we even do blood work in many instances. Um, if you're interested in knowing how to do that, direct message me on Facebook or Instagram at Dr. Brian G. Brown at Dr. Brian G. Brown. I'll be glad to talk to you about it. Uh, tune in next Thursday at noon Eastern Standard Time for our next In the Zone segment where I'll be sharing the latest research and my insights uh, about that research as it pertains or relates to optimizing your physical and emotional wellness journey. Uh, most informed, most trusted, and most grateful you spent this time with us today. Until next time, stay in the zone. I'm Dr. Brian Brown.